Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Friday, July the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're on to the linebackers and part eight of the 11-part training camp preview series up on LockedOnDolphins.com. A big year ahead for Raekwon McMillan and a potential contract extension coming soon. That plus will preview Miami's week nine and 15 opponent. The hated Jets are up next on our opponent's preview series and we'll take your questions on the Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps us get out to more Dolphins fans, helps the podcast grow, helps keep us on the air. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter as voted by Dolphins Twitter, and the show at Locked On Fins, where you can find all of our content up on LockedOnDolphins.com, including every part of the training camp preview series. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you want all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code Locked On to get your Postmates credit. And we jump into the first down topic today, which is the linebacker position here in Miami, a position that has been troublesome for some time now, but for the first time in a long time, at least since we thought Donnell Ellerby and Philip Wheeler were a quality combination, the Dolphins have a young, promising-looking duo of linebackers on this team. We talked about Jerome Baker yesterday, and he could be in this category as well. And one of the caveats I want to go ahead and put out there first before we dive in is that a lot of the formations you're going to see from this defense this year And I think you can basically differentiate them by even and odd fronts. And that is either a 4-2 with four down linemen and two linebackers or a 3-3 with Godshaw, Taylor, and Wilkins, and then McMillan, Baker, and Alonzo. And what you have to keep in mind there is although you're going to call it a 4-2 or a 3-3, you're going to get a lot of looks that basically look like a 5-1 because the outside backers want to come up over the edge and help the run game off the outside of the formation with the big defensive lineman on the inside using the two-gap read-and-react ability to clog those lanes and free up Raekwon McMillan in the middle, as well as an additional safety coming down in the box to support the run. And talking about Raekwon McMillan, there was some big contract news that came down the pipe in the NFL on Thursday. Atlanta Falcons linebacker Deion Jones gets a four-year deal for $57 million total, 34 of that guaranteed, and we are going to preview the laughable Jets later on in this episode, and we talked about the bloated contract of Le'Veon Bell on yesterday's show, and this is a good transition into C.J. Mosley's contract, which is significantly higher than what Deion Jones just got, and in my opinion, Jones is a better player, more apt for the modern-day NFL linebacker. 
Well, Mosley got almost as much guaranteed as Jones got in total on his contract with 51 guaranteed and $85 million total. I mean, wow, just mind-blowing figures on that deal. And this deal might mean good news for the Dolphins as they pursue a new contract for our first player in the linebacker preview, Raquan McMillan. And yes, I know, right now, McMillan hasn't earned a second contract yet. He's only played one good year, and he had a 12-week run in that year. But I'm predicting he will get into that neighborhood because I think this dude is set for a monster year and a monster career with his Dolphins team. This is going to be the best linebacker on the inside the Dolphins have had since Zach Thomas. And not that that list is great, but he is the next great Dolphins linebacker in my opinion, and we talk about Kenyon Drake, Jakeem Grant, Laramie Tunzel, all of these guys deserving of a second contract in Miami with that 110-something million dollars in cap space next year. Well, I would explore a new deal for Rayquan McMillan before he gets too expensive, and that's where we start with the off-ball linebackers portion of the training camp preview with Rayquan McMillan, the 23.8 years old linebacker on opening day. He's got two years left on that deal for about $2 million in total, and he came off of an ACL injury from his rookie season, and he struggled early on, but as 2018 progressed, it was hard to find holes in his game. We know about the leadership skills. He has been that guy since his time at Ohio State. Late in the season, he got the green dot on his helmet, which means that he can communicate the calls from the sideline to the defense. His work as a B-gap to B-gap run defender was top shelf from October onward. No linebacker in the NFL had more run stops, and that's tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, than Raekwon McMillan's 43 stops in those 12 games. The next closest was 30 from Luke Keekley. 13 more for McMillan, despite the fact that he played one less game and his run stop percentage was also best in the National Football League from October on at 14%. Second place was Leighton Vander Esch with 11.9%. That's fantastic company for the young Dolphins linebacker. And this scheme should free him up to perform at an even higher level. I think this guy has star potential written all over him, especially if he can develop his skill set as a blitzer in this new scheme, something I think he showed in college but wasn't really there last year, a big element of linebacker play in this new scheme. I think this guy is going to break out and be a superstar and play just about every snap on this Dolphins defense. Up next, a guy I'm not so bullish on, as you all know, Kiko Alonso, 29.1 years old opening day. McMillan has those two years for $2 million on his contract over the next two seasons. Alonzo also has two years left, but he's owed $12.9 million in total with two and a half of that guaranteed. So despite the fact that this guy racks up tackles at an absurd pace and he regularly finds the football in terms of takeaways, he just takes his lumps in terms of the run fits, the run keys, getting himself into the right position. He's all hustle and all ball, but his lack of instincts and well, the coverage ability is kind of on the coaching, but his lack of instincts are really eye-popping. He will find himself into a few takeaways every year, but there's also the roughness penalties, the bloated contract, the fact that he just is out of position time and time again. I can't say enough for how much this Dolphins team needs to move on from this guy, but hopefully in the new scheme, he can find some success with less responsibility in terms of his reads. Let's go ahead and fly through the rest of this position group because frankly, there's not a lot of depth here. Chase Allen, 26 years old, one year left on the contract. He missed most of last season. 
I don't think he has a fit in this defense. He was best as a nosebacker in that wide nine scheme, lining up over the center and playing special teams, but a lack of health, the fact that he was the previous regime's guy, I think that Chase Allen finds or winds up getting cut in camp this season. And the same is true of Mike Hole. He missed half of last year as well. He's a special teams guy. He's undersized. He can't cover. He's not much of a blitzer. I think Mike Hole is gone. Trey Watson, the undrafted rookie from Maryland, 23.3 years old, a sure tackler and a big hitter. He's got an outside shot in making this roster as a core special teamer and backup middle linebacker. And he doesn't really fall in line with the athleticism of the middle linebacker in today's NFL, but he does check the boxes for what this staff tends to look for at the prototype for the position. So I do think that Watson finds his way onto the practice squad this season. The next guy, another practice squad member, is a former CFL player who had 10 workouts scheduled this offseason with NFL teams, and he wound up signing with the first team he met with, our Miami Dolphins. He had an impressive OTA session of offseason workouts this year. Sam Egwavion, I hope I pronounced that right, he came from Texas Tech. He too is undersized. He's a 26 and a half year old rookie, but he can fly around the football. He gets his head, helmet and hands on footballs a lot, as we heard about in OTAs. I think this guy will be a practice squad player and an eventual later call up down the road in the season. And lastly is Quentin Poling, who has the leadership skill set. He can diagnose the run and get himself there when kept clean, but he has so many issues getting off blocks and transitioning from side to side that I don't think he's going to have a spot on this roster. I have him getting cut and being a fringe practice squad guy that eventually gets left off the practice squad. So those are your linebackers. It's all about McMillan and Baker this year for me, whether you want to call them middle linebacker, off-ball linebacker, whatever it might be. Those two guys are two of the most important players on the entire roster this season. If they can step forward and take a big step in their career, the Dolphins defense is going to be much better for it going down the road long term. And when we come back on the next side of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, we'll preview the no good stinking New York Jets and take your questions courtesy of the Locked On Dolphins Twitter mailbag. All of that next on the show at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I know you guys love these softball updates, so I have to tell you about Wednesday night's game where we had an absurd 20-mile-an-hour win we were dealing with. And on one field, we had a regulation-sized softball field, about 325 feet all around the entire perimeter of the field. And the second game was on a baseball-sized field. And the wind in the first game was blowing out towards right field. And me being a fast, speedy shortstop in high school and college and all that stuff, I was all about living in the opposite field. So that wind really helped me and helped carry a couple of balls out to the fence, one beyond the fence and I hit for the cycle in the first game with a triple, a 5-for-5 night just dominating. And then I came back in the second game and nobody could hit because of that wind because we got a bunch of guys that want to lift the ball and it blew back down into the outfield for easy fly balls. But not your boy. I was poking ground balls through that infield. A 9-for-9 night, a perfect night and capped it off with two victories, taking us now to 10-1 and on the season. I am going to miss the next two games because of training camp in Miami, but boo-hoo, I'm all about that life. Plus, I will be back in time for the playoffs. But let's go ahead now and turn our attention to the series of opponent previews as we look now at the New York Jets. And by now, we all know that Adam Gaze and his wandering eyes have taken over in New York or in New Jersey. And I thought he needed a year of humility and go back to a coordinator role 
before he took on another head coaching role. But luckily for us, the Jets hired him to be the head coach, even though he basically acts as a coordinator in the head coach's chair. We heard about that last year in Miami. Sounds like the story is the same in New York or New Jersey. And as if it weren't the most predictable conflict ever, Gaze and new defensive coordinator Greg Williams, who is a grade A douchebag, by the way, are already at odds. That should be a fun soap opera to watch from our biggest rival, on the other side of the division. Now, they did get the GM higher right, in my opinion, with Joe Douglas, so maybe they'll be in good shape long-term, but it's not going to be under Adam Gaze. He's not going to be the one that gets that franchise back on the right track, a team that has won five and six games the last several years. And that's the best news here for the Dolphins and our fans, is that Adam Gaze is probably going to further stunt the growth of their precious quarterback of the future, and even if he is good for him in a year or two, when they fire him, it's all about starting over again, So just keep those coordinators and play callers different and schemes changing for Sam Darnold. And everybody is fawning over Darnold's December run last year, and that's fine. He played really well in those games, but he was dreadful before that. Hell, Miami picked him off five times in two games. His third down rate conversion was worst in the National Football League, and Gaze did the exact same thing that he did here. He loaded up on redundant players, Jamison Crowder and Quincy Anunwa, the exact same guy. They've got a knucklehead for a tight end in Chris Herndon, and the reason he fell to the sixth round was because of the character issues, and he got himself a nice DUI this offseason, like a ding-dong. Robbie Anderson is a good player and a big play threat, and then there's Le'Veon Bell, who I think is good, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what he did in Pittsburgh when he played behind one of the smartest offensive line coaches in Mike Munchak and one of the best offensive lines in terms of talent. That's not what the Jets have. They have this 11 personnel attack, but the offensive line is completely garbage, just like it was when Gaze was here. Build up the skill positions, ignore the offensive line. Now, they did get Kalechi Osemele, but he's well past his prime. They ignored the center position altogether, and they still roll with Brandon Shell at right tackle, who is just not good at football. Now, the defense has some really, really nice parts. Leo Williams and Quinnen Williams are stout up front but their interior pressure will probably fall short because they still haven't replaced the edge rushing presence from Jonathan Abraham from like 15 years ago. That position is still lacking. Their cornerback position is a disaster. Tremaine Johnson was possibly the worst free agent cornerback on the market last year in terms of his production to salary, but Jamal Adams in that secondary is already an elite safety, and the Warren Sharp metrics here aren't as applicable since the entire coaching staff is brand new, but we can apply gaze tendencies from here in Miami as well as Dow Loggins and just to laugh this one off the fact that Gaze brought him along with him to New York tells you how little he learned from his stint down here in South Florida it'll be all 11 personnel it'll be tons of blitzing on defense and I think this will be another series split between these two teams in 2019 Miami gets the week nine contest on November 3rd I'll be there in person in the press box and I'll try to get you guys some juicy questions for Adam Gaze while I'm there and I think Miami probably loses the week 14 game on the road December 8th at the Meadowlands both those games one o'clock kickoffs and speaking of juicy questions On the Locked On Dolphins Twitter mailbag, you guys know the drill. I put the call out on Thursday, you respond, and you hopefully get your question answered on the Friday podcast. I'm not going to have as much time to get as many of these questions in because we have content to talk about now, but we'll get to as many as we can. The first one here comes from Anthony Meester. He's at Meester Tweets. Do you have any tattoos? Would you ever consider a Dolphins tattoo? The answers to both of those are no, and if that answer is no, would you get a Dolphins tattoo in exchange for one Super Bowl that same year? 
absolutely without a question. You can even put it wherever you want. Put it on my face. I don't care. I want that ring, baby. Next question from Vero Delfino at Dolphins Rule All. Keep an eye on me for the 4th and Inches podcast coming out here soon. Round, teardrop, or pokies? You gotta go round. Always round, of course. Next one here from William Olive at William Olive 2 underscore. On the podcast this week, you spoke about passes to running backs on first down and how that regressed in 2018 with Osweiler compared to Tannehill. So who is better at those types of passes, Josh Rosen or Ryan Fitzpatrick? A fantastic question, William. And I'm going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick because of the learned aptitude that he has at the position. My favorite thing about these old quarterbacks in today's NFL is once you see all these things and you're privy to the way the NFL has kind of evolved, you just get better in these very fine details. And Josh Rosen could become great at this, but he's not yet. You go back to his Cardinals tape last year. That was one of my biggest hangups was the inaccuracies on flat routes and swing routes and hitches and sticks. These short routes where the ball needs to be in an exact location and he's throwing it off the wrong hip, the wrong shoulder. He's late with it half the time. A lot of those drops you saw from the Cardinals, like from David Johnson, for instance, were because of Rosen's lack of accuracy on those throws. He just has to get better in that area. So it's Fitzpatrick for me by quite a long shot. And this next one here comes in from Arturo. I'm not going to pronounce your last name because I'll butcher it, but he's at Turo23. Personally, I think the Dolphins will be looking at the defense to determine outcomes of the game more than the offense. Do you agree? Yeah, I think they're going to want to play it close to the vest, establish the run, get themselves in a position to keep the game close into the fourth quarter. Now, is that a recipe for success in today's NFL? Against some teams, it can be. Against a lot of teams, no. Like if you try that against the Chiefs or the Rams, you're probably going to get blown out of the water. But I think that'll be the MO, especially at home. Grind teams down with the ground game and win with quality defense. So yes, sir, I absolutely agree. It'll be defense over offense for Miami this season. Next one here comes in from Just Why. She's at I Sweetheart, And you ask a question that I don't know what the reference is here, but there's a great answer in the replies. What do the New York Jets and Chick-fil-A manager have in common? The answer here from he's at Miami of LI, Miami of Long Island says they ain't showing up on Sundays. That is a perfect response. So I'm going to go with that one as my answer as well. Next one here comes in from Miami. He's at Devin underscore Dolphin. And he starts the question with on a more serious note because he asked me if I have used any of the products I endorse. I have used the Grip 6 belts. I have used the Untuck It shirts. No, I have not used Blue Chew yet. Thankfully, I don't need it yet, but I'm sure someday I will, especially when I get into the old face app edition of my life. But the question he asked is, asks is, I believe this coaching staff will take us to the promised land of a Super Bowl within five years. Am I just an aqua and orange dreamer? I mean, yeah, probably, but I'd rather watch sports that way anyways. It's so much more fun to be optimistic and excited about your team than to just be bitching and complaining about it every single year. We know there's several accounts on Twitter that do that. We know there's fans that do that, that want to live in that misery, but that's not what sports is to me. Sports is fun, so I want to hope for the best, and that's kind of the picture I like to paint on the podcast. I'll give you my concerns, but I'm always going to tell you about the best possible outcomes, the best case scenarios for this team, because that makes it more fun. Now, winning a Super Bowl is, even if you're the best team in the league, it's freaking hard, man. You have to have a lot of luck, a lot of bounces go your way, particular calls. Look at the Saints last year. They should have been in the big game, but the refs took it away from them. So to think they're going to win a Super Bowl is just, it, it. it's hard to forecast that. But can they be good enough in five years? Sure, why not? 
Next one here comes in from Mr. Stubborn at Abduarte underscore one. How's it going, dude? Longtime listener of the podcast here. If Dan Kilgore gets hurt, what is Miami's best option at center? Does Dieter get moved to center and we have a Ted Larson-like hole at guard again? Or does Miami finally have a plug-and-play backups and don't have starters that have to play musical chairs? Well, I do forecast that Michael Dieter is your second-string center, although I think Tony Adams might have a shot to play that position, even though he could be a guard coming into the year. I'm a big fan of Adams' game. He's only 20 and a half years old and he kind of still has some baby fat on him. I think if he can work himself into shape and get a little bit more adept at finding out the combination blocks and getting that thing sorted out, he could be your backup center. And maybe you don't want to move Michael Dieter because you want him to be your left guard long term. But I do think that Dieter has some promise at center and probably should be your backup center on opening day. But I suppose Adams could eventually take that job down the road. As far as the depth on the offensive line, it's not there yet. But hopefully these guys can get coached up and developed as we go along. And then we can just plug and play guys in the future. All right, we're going to take our last break here. Before we do that, speaking of Untuck It, I want to tell you guys about Untuck It and their shirts that are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code MBA to get 20% off your order. That's untuckit.com, promo code MBA. Amazon Prime's All or Nothing NFL version is on live streaming right now. And if you're not watching that series, what are you even doing with your life? I read that there are five hours and 38 minutes of content. And as soon as I sign off on this episode, I'm heading down to the binge lair and consuming all of that content on a Thursday night, which technically is my Friday night on the work week. Also out today is Netflix's Last Chance You. And if you haven't seen that, binge all three seasons of that show as well. It's absolutely fantastic material. Let's go ahead and close this show out though and the week out here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast with more of your questions from the mailbag and we come back to this one from my boy Mike on Twitter. He is at MikePS178, I think it is. Who is the funniest Dolphins podcaster? I would probably say Sam from Perfectville. He and Chris are hilarious, but I will tell you this. If you have to convince people that you're funny, you're probably not that funny. Let's just leave it at that. Next one here comes in from Cy Maddox. He's at CY954 on Twitter. Is there a free agent you'd go after? I understand offensive linemen are hard to come by, but that's what I would wish our Finns would play for. There are some right tackles out there you could probably find, but based upon the Jordan Mills signing and Jesse Davis having experience there, as well as Isaiah Prince, the sixth round draft pick, I don't think you go in that direction. And there was a great podcast on Move the Sticks a while back where Thomas Dimitrov talked about how when you get to this point of the offseason, your roster is pretty much set. The only guys you're going to find are bottom of the roster types. And especially on the offensive line, the market is barren. So I think the answer to that part is no. But I think that Nick Perry makes the most sense. The outside rusher from Green Bay. He was here for a visit. He played with Patrick Graham. It just makes a lot of sense to go after him. So I could see that being one of the Dolphins signings in free agency. This next one here comes in from Leighton Stoffer. He's at Stoffer underscore Leighton. Which game do you think is more winnable for the Dolphins this season? The Giants, the Bengals, or Washington? I'm going to say the Washington game off the bye week at home is an absolutely winnable game because a rookie quarterback against what I think is going to be a very Patriot-like defense 
Sounds like a recipe for success for our Dolphins, although all three of those games are very winnable because I don't think Miami is worse than many of those teams on that list, if any at all. So I think all three will be close games, and the Dolphins could certainly come away with wins in any of the three. Next one here comes in from Raced, and he told me I don't have to say his at because I can never pronounce it. What's your drink of choice for the beginning, middle, and end of Dolphins games? Well, most Dolphins games kick off at 10 a.m. for me, and I'm not a huge drinker as it is, so I really don't drink during the games. I actually stay completely sober. If I were to enjoy some partaking, so to speak, we have other amenities out here in the Pacific Northwest, if you catch my drift, that I would prefer over drinks like scotch and whiskey and blends and all that fun stuff. So I do prefer the scotch and whiskey, but I usually don't drink during games unless it's a primetime game, and even then, I usually don't. Next one here from Dustin Lawson. He's at the Dustin Lawson on Twitter. Besides Taking Back Sunday, what postmodern bands do you listen to? Brand New and American Football are two that are in my rotation. I used to love Brand New. I haven't listened to them much lately. I actually saw them open for Coheed and Cambria one time. That was pretty sweet. I love me some My Chemical Romance, as emo as they are, and The Used. Those are two of my main go-to bands when I'm feeling very emo and very 16 years old again. Next one here from Emilio. He's at Hayo on Twitter. Much has been made about Caldwell's departure in relation to Rosen's potential development. What's plan B for Miami and how much do you seriously think it will affect Rosen? I think the experience is going to affect the coaching staff more than anything because Jerry Shaplinski has a nice resume of developing young quarterbacks like Garoppolo and Brissett, like we talked about on yesterday's show, but I think he still has a way to go in terms of just the experience and knowledge that Jim Caldwell imparted on the younger coaches and Brian Flores trying to get his feet wet and having the head coaching experience of Jim Caldwell next to him. I really hope Jim gets healthy and gets well because it's sad to see a guy have health issues at any stage of their life, but at this stage of his life, it's probably pretty serious, so I just hope he gets well soon. As far as Josh Rosen, I think it's going to be basically... If, if Jim Caldwell being gone is what makes Josh Rosen between a franchise quarterback and not, then he probably never was going to be that guy anyway. So I'm not that worried about the players, but Brian Flores and Jerry Shaplinski, I think, do have the biggest loss in terms of Jim Caldwell not being there anymore. Next question from Brown Bunny. He's at Dragon Dre on Twitter. Flats or drums when you eat wings? Also ranch or blue cheese? Give me the drums. I prefer the, that meaty end of it where you can bite off that whole chunk of meat. And I also prefer ranch because I'm just not a big blue cheese guy. Give me the ranch. Give me the drums. Okay, I thought I wouldn't get through all of these, but we have four more. Let's go ahead and fly through them. This one's from Sean at UCF 3 on Twitter. Is the Dolphins' current offensive line any better than Arizona's offensive line from last season? Just wondering if Rosen would have a chance to succeed if he starts the year. I think it is because Laramie Tunzel is here and the Cardinals didn't have anybody that was really any good last year. I also have some faith in Jesse Davis at right tackle. I feel okay about Chris Reed at right guard and I think Michael Dieter has a chance to be a decent left guard. So I do think it'll be better. But if you get two injuries to this offensive line, it could be just as bad as Arizona last year. Next one from Matthew Siena. He's at Matthew Siena on Twitter. Is the Flores vision just a Sperano team with a better quarterback than Henny? That's a legit question and concern, though I tend to think not because I think that that defense was a little bit antiquated for its time, and this defense should be much more advanced and much better than what we had in the Tony Sperano era. Next one here from Marcus at Stuck in the 90s. If you had the choice to pick a quarterback, who would it be next year? 
Jordan Love or Tua Tungavailoa, that's tough. I want to see the film this year because I think that Jordan Love has a chance to be really special. Tua's already there, so I'd feel great about either one. But I think Jordan Love might have more upside, so it's a 50-50 proposition. I'll go with Jordan Love and just be a contrarian for the sake of it. Next one here from Justin Sobel, at Jay Sobel on Twitter. How, how do Rosen and Fitz look on third down, especially against pressure? Well, Josh Rosen started to see ghosts at the end of last year, and I don't necessarily blame him for that, but it should be a bit of a concern because it might be the case of Derek Carr syndrome, or David Carr, I always get that wrong, with the Houston Texans back in the day. And I saw plenty of bad decisions at UCLA under pressure. I'm going to go with Fitzpatrick up front. Hopefully Rosen can develop and take that that stranglehold on that gig and be better at third downs than Fitzpatrick long-term. But right now, it's definitely Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, that's a good spot to button this podcast up. We've got training camp right around the corner next week on Thursday. Again, I'm going to be there in person with live tweets, a daily journal on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as the daily podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I want to say a big thank you to all of you for sticking with me this offseason during the dead period. Download numbers are still very good. Still the number one Dolphins podcast in existence. So we appreciate all the support, but things are about to turn up to another level beyond what we normally do anyway here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And with that, let's go ahead and get out of here for the week. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com and the training camp review or guide pieces up on the website as well. You guys have a great rest of your Friday. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night slash Monday morning for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Backwards, kill switches, UE, take out. Yeah, but I love fucking in red bone. She country thick in that hair long.